I'm Brittany Harrison, self-proclaimed certified church girl who just happens to have a master's degree in clinical counseling. This podcast talks about approaching life's problems using logos or the divine reasoning of God. I believe the care and feeding of a Christian requires more than just prayer. That's right. I said it. We need more than prayer added to our toolkit of life. You don't have to choose between your faith and maintaining your mental wellness. There's a beautiful synergy that exists for an optimal human experience. I promise this is a safe space and a soft place to land. Welcome to the Logos Podcast. Do you often shy away from parts of your life story that make you feel uncomfortable? Are there parts of your story that bring about a lot of shame and guilt? Are there parts of your story that you literally find you are trying to hide from God? If so, keep listening. In today's podcast, I will walk you through how to write the story of your life by getting clear on what your struggles are, what you desire, and how you will know you've achieved your desired outcome. And we're going to do all of this while learning how to apply the grace of God to our stories, even the painful parts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Logos Podcast. I am your host, Brittany Harrison, and welcome to episode one. Today, I wanted to bring you a little bit more um, into my story, getting to know me a little bit better, and even how this podcast came about. And I want to do that by being a little bit more intentional with storytelling, because that is how I came to kind of learn where the basis of my anxiety started. Um, So by the end of this podcast, you too should be able to have the tools to write your own story to understand the origin of where some of maybe your not so good behaviors or patterns of behaviors may have come from. By the end of this podcast, I want you to be able to start building the character. The character is you and you're going to begin to get a better understanding of yourself in the context of your life story. So you're going to understand the character. You're going to understand the character struggles. You're going to understand the character's desired outcome and how they know that they've achieved the outcome that they're looking for. So I will go ahead and jump into my story. Um, So if you are watching on YouTube, you you can see that I'm an African-American woman. Um, What you cannot obviously see is that I am also a wife and mother, but my journey or my story started long before I took on these particular identities that you could not see as much. But it's important to pause here and make note that the parts of me that you cannot easily see are the parts of me that impacted me the most. So I was born and raised in church, not just church, black church culture, more specifically the apostolic denomination. So if there's anyone who's listening and you understand the apostolic denomination, or maybe you were raised in it yourself, you know, there are two key markers to being raised in the apostolic faith. The first Were you baptized? And not just were you baptized, but Acts 2.38 baptized, right? Like Jesus' name. Also, have you received the Holy Ghost as evidenced by speaking in tongues? So those are the two main things that are like the anchor of the apostolic faith. So um, in anybody else who may know anything about uh, the apostolic faith, it is very staunch, rigid, kind of in the... in the beliefs and how they believe that you should live your life. So um, 
this is this was the basis for me. I think it's also safe to say that I was immersed in black church culture. And this is not to say that it didn't happen in any other denominations of black church culture, but I'm only going to speak on what I know, and what I've experienced. And even some of the things I may share may have been unique to my particular church. Um, but for the most part, there is a thread that runs through um, churches of the apostolic faith. Um, Thankfully, though, my church became a little bit more progressive. So women preachers were not foreign to me. Women wore pants. They had a little bit more autonomy over their bodies and what they could wear. With that being said, church attendance was very important. Um, so for me, I was at church a lot. My mom was a missionary. I don't quite know why they carried the title of missionary. They never actually did missions. But anyway, it was a title that she held in the church. My dad, a deacon. So we were always the first ones there and the last ones to leave until we like started driving our own cars. Um, Sunday mornings, it, the week started off Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning service, back for evening service. Tuesday was probably like a rehearsal. Wednesday, we came back for Bible class. Thursday, another type of rehearsal. Then Friday, back for prayer and praise. So this was my community. I was immersed in this community. Um, so it impacted my understanding of how I should live my life, how I should present myself in front of other people. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me, though, however, is in a lot of apostolic churches, you hear a lot of fire and brimstone preaching. And me, I was always the kind of child where I would hear your story and learn from it. And I'm not going to go down the same path. So a lot of that led to me living my life in fear, right? My main goal in life was to stay out of hell. It was very important for me to stay out of hell because let me tell you, nobody, and I mean nobody, paints a better picture or visual description of hell than an apostolic preacher. I have yet to hear it. So they did a very good job of uh, leaving that impression and that mark on my mind. That was a place I did not want to go. So the overarching theme of my life is do not upset God so that you can stay out of hell, which is not good when you're trying to build a relationship with someone. You don't want the relationship to start off in fear. So for me, that's where a lot of my anxiety kind of started because it was important to me that I was living a life that was heaven worthy. And this in no way is a knock on apostolic churches or priests. Like I said before, my life was immersed in this type of church culture. So these people became my family. I have a lot of really good stories and experiences and connections and community that was built here. And in a lot of cases, I ended up being closer to my church family than some of my natural family. So my experience was not all bad. But in telling my story, I'm just tracing back to where I learned to be anxious and where this came from. As I went through life, I noticed I started to have an immense fear of death. Like if anyone were to ask me, probably even today, what my biggest fear is in life, it's death. Um, for a long time, it was not my own mortality, but losing the people that I was closest to, my parents, my husband, my children, my brother, just the thought of losing um, someone that I'm very close to would almost paralyze me. At some point, however, I did begin to fear my own mortality. What happens if I die? What does that mean for my family? 
My children are going to grow up without a mother. And these thoughts just consume every part of my being. Um, Until I had a conversation with a close friend and I just kind of was explaining to her what it was like to kind of live in this consistent state of anxiety, always waiting for the next thing to happen, always waiting for the other shoe to drop, always waiting to receive bad news on the other end of the call. And she just kind of stopped me and she said, you're afraid to die because you're afraid of going to hell. And that was just like a light bulb moment for me because she was absolutely right. When you consistently hear rhetoric about hell and staying out of hell, that kind of overshadows the story of the love of God, his redemption, his grace, and his mercy. And it's hard to kind of make the connection with that when what you've heard the most was about the wrath of God. So I never made that connection, but she was absolutely right because I grew up a lot in life just feeling like I would never be good enough. I'm going to get to judgment day and the answer is just going to be, sorry, you don't get to enter heaven. And that is something that I believe probably rested in my subconscious. And it was just something that I was wrestling with that I didn't really realize I was wrestling with. So through life, I kind of felt uh, like I was a little bit awkward, always different from other people. I never really fit into any particular group. So I was able to get through that because I'm naturally introverted. However, introversion does not mean that you don't desire connections with other people. So that was still something that I longed for, but found it hard to kind of um, achieve or maintain. And in full transparency, I'm sure there were times where I maybe came off as judgmental, even if I wasn't saying it. Um, If people felt uncomfortable around me because I never smoked, I never drank, had never been to a party, I was abstinent until I got married. So on some levels, depending on the circles I was in, people maybe judged me as being one who didn't understand them or we weren't the same. So it wasn't always an intentional rejection that I experienced. It just kind of happened by way of the way that I lived my life. So another phase in my life is when I graduated from college and I went on to grad school. I went on to study clinical counseling and the school that I ended up going to had the program that I wanted specifically, marriage and family therapy. So that required me to move to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. When I tell you I was riddled with anxiety, I did everything I could to get out of it. And then my mom eventually just said, you're going, you're going, (laughs) you're going to school. So if it were, if it, So if it wasn't for her, I would not have gone. And that would have been probably one of the biggest mistakes of my life. Going to grad school opened up a whole new world for me. You have to remember, I was kind of encased in this safe little church hub where I knew everybody, everybody knew me. Um, I was pretty confident in who I was as a Christian. Uh, I knew the scriptures I was supposed to know, just all the things, right? So... Going to grad school in a big city, much bigger than the city that I grew up in, being that far away from home, it really forced me to take a look at who I was. So I was going to school to be a therapist. And one of the things that um, happens when you're in training to be a therapist, you kind of are challenged to break down all of your ideologies, what you think to be right, how you view the world just all of it. And that's what makes a good therapist. You can't have clients coming into your office and you have a very narrow focus of life or or a very narrow focus just of the world in general. 
what started to happen was grad school began knocking on the door of my core beliefs, which in turn caused me to really have an introspective look at myself that also led me to consider that the way I was taught about God should probably be challenged a little bit. Now talk about anxiety. It shot through the roof after that. I cannot risk shaking my theology and potentially be caught in a space where God is coming back and now I'm questioning everything. And what is my fate going to be after that? Again, I didn't exactly have the language at that time to put to what I was feeling, but I truly was just a ball of anxiety. So that was really my struggle. I struggled with anxiety and my walk with God was not one that was sweet to me. There were times or pockets where I would have a sweet walk with Jesus and it was beautiful, but the majority of it was me fearing that I was disappointing God. And if I disappointed God, I was going to hell. And remember, that was the ultimate goal for me. I have to stay out of hell. So that's just kind of a little bit of an understanding of how I was able to trace back kind of my struggle with anxiety that I dealt with in my life, even before I even had a word to put to it. Uh, the feelings that I was experiencing, I later on learned in life. That's exactly what it was. So then I had to start getting really clear with myself about what it is that I actually desired. And what I desired was peace. What I desired was peace, overall peace, peace in my decisions, peace in my relationships, peace in my relationship with God. And the only real way to know that I was on the other side of my struggles and getting clear with what I desire was to ask myself, how do you know you've achieved the desired outcome? And for me, that looked like a life where I was not worried. I was not stressed. I could genuinely laugh like a really good gut laugh in the moment and not try to bring it back in because I felt trouble was right around the corner. I always kind of led my life at like a baseline emotion. Didn't get too excited about really good things happening, but I would go to the pits if it was something that happened um, that was devastating or unexpected or disappointing. So if I stayed at a baseline, I felt like I wouldn't fall as hard emotionally. So I never allowed myself to fully experience joy or happiness. I can think back and I think the first time I actually felt that is when I heard my firstborn son cry in the delivery room. I felt like something woke up in me and I began to feel all of my feelings. That was foreign to me because remember, I just kept myself at a baseline of emotion and I did not always allow myself to feel elation. So that was a that was a memorable moment for me. Also, I would know I have achieved this desired outcome uh, when I'm able to travel with my husband and I'm not worried if this is the last time I'm going to see my my children because we're about to board a plane and planes go down. When I tell you I really spiral my thoughts, I go down a rabbit hole. That is what anxiety is like for me. Also, I will know I have achieved this desired outcome when I'm waking up in the morning and death is not the first thing I think about or the last thing I think about before I go to bed. I'm able to actually look forward to events happening. I'm able to look forward to vacations. I'm able to look forward to date nights genuinely and live in the moment, giving myself the gift of being in the present fully. 
what I realized I was doing is I was concerning myself with something that was not even promised to me. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. That's also another marker of anxiety, living too far in the future. Living too far in the future, trying to control what happens before it even has a chance to manifest. What happens in the future is really none of my business. It's just my job to show up. Does that mean be irresponsible and not prepare for the future? No. But when you start looking at it at a micro level and you're looking to control every single minute of the day, every single minute of the next day, and you've already told yourself, you know what the outcome is going to be, or I'm going to prepare for any of the millions of outcomes that could happen. You're not at peace and you're not resting. So for me, that is how I would know that I have achieved my desired outcome. So as I started to piece together my story and how I got to where I am today, it caused me to stop and wonder, what does God say or think about my story? And I hope it makes you think, what does God say about your story? To me, my story showed how God understands that life is hard. He understands that we really all are just down here doing the best we can with what we have. Isaiah 46 and 10 says, I knew the end before the beginning. He knew that all of my struggles, all of my self-righteousness, the spirit of religion I allowed to kind of rule my life and dictate who I was, who I would be, who I would connect with. He knew the depths of my heart and knew that there were parts of my journey and my walk with him where I was really just staying close to him so that I would not go to hell. He knew all of that. And he still applied grace and he still applied mercy to me. He also said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So he knew what would make me laugh. He knew what would make me anxious. He knew events, circumstances, and situations that would build my character. He knew the things about me that may have been off-putting to other people. He knew that I would not always be nice. He knew that sometimes I would let my frustration get the best of me. Any horrible thing I could think about myself, he already knew it and decided to apply more grace. This is what I love about Jeremiah 1 and 5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, don't get hung up on the word prophet here, okay? Think about your own spiritual gifts and what God gave you. Maybe he did give you the gift of prophecy or word of knowledge. So I'm not saying, you know, you should discount that. But maybe he gave, gave you a gift of hospitality. Maybe he gave you a gift in the arts. So put whatever is most fitting for you. But at the end of the day, you can have a running list of things that you do not like about yourself or experiences that you feel impacted your life in a profound way. But at the end of the day, he still called you to be that thing. So now it's your turn. It's your turn to write your story. If you need a little help, here are some things that you can consider while you are writing your story. First, I want you to approach it with an open heart and mind. Some parts of it may get a little ugly, may get a little messy, may be a little uncomfortable and makes you want to back up, but make sure you come back to it and write your story. You want to do character building. While you're building your character, here are some things to consider. How do you identify? What or who impacted you the most? And what profound event or events left a mark on your life? Number two, I want you to think about your struggle. What seems to be a pervasive issue that you have that you cannot seem to kick? You can't seem to get rid of it. What stops you or holds you back? 
Next, I want you to think about your desired outcome. Now this part can get a little bit tricky, especially if you find that you are stuck on what it is that you actually want. And that's okay. Sometimes that may take some time. Sometimes we rehearse the narrative so much of what we don't want in life. When someone actually asks us, what do you want in life? Or what is your desired outcome? We have a hard time answering and that's okay. But if you are able to give it some thought, think about what it is you would like to see happen. Get specific. And I understand not everybody wants a new house or a new car or wants a spouse or wants a baby. Sometimes people just like me, you just want at peace. But be specific. Lastly, I want you to consider how you will know that you have achieved your desired outcome. What does your new life look like? Who or what is present? Who or what is missing? And how are you feeling in that moment? Here are a few things I want you to keep in mind while you are writing your story. No matter what your story says once you get to the end, remember that he understood every tear and he felt every groan, every heartbreak, every feeling of rejection, every regret, he felt it and he knew it all. And you also are gonna start to find that we a lot of times have been harder on ourselves than God has ever been on us. Also, as you go through this exercise, I want you to practice giving yourself grace. I want you to feel all of your feelings, lean into each feeling regardless of how it feels, and make room and acknowledge any emotions that may come up for you during this time. Give voice to it, give language to it, and to help safeguard yourself while you're doing this exercise, take a minute, study and research and find a scripture that will help ground you, a scripture that will be your safe place. So that's all the time we have for today. Join me on next week's podcast where we break the story down a little bit more and we learn about the protagonist in your story or the hero, the antagonist in your story or the villain, and then we're gonna talk about how you can reframe your story. Until next time.